Hello and welcome. We're pleased to have you tuned in to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. They wanted God to do what they wanted, but they hadn't been doing what God wanted. The Word of God often makes people uncomfortable, and the truth can do that. In the Old Testament, the prophet Jeremiah found people didn't want to hear God's Word. Why has God given us His Word? So we can know Him and enjoy Him. It is possible to listen to the Word of God but not actually hear it. No amount of religious ceremony is of any value unless your heart is open to God. Tonight, Dr. Corbett is in Jeremiah chapter 36 for dictation causes excoriation. You know, sometimes I, I just spend a little bit of time just trying to be clever with the title. And so today, dictation causes excoriation. It's as good as I could get. This is introducing Baruch. Baruch is the scribe. The scribe was the one who wrote down what God's word was. And we, we, we saw Baruch last time. We introduced him into the text. And I said to you, just, just remember that name. Well, we're now going to see what Baruch did as far as helping Jeremiah. And we're going to see that Baruch formed a, an absolutely important role in the delivery of God's word. And we saw last time that God not only ordains those who he uses to inspire his word, and he also uses men, people, to record it and to preserve it. And so today, I want you to see as we, as we look at this, this is, this is being spoken. Jeremiah has given Baruch the word. So that he's, he's written out the whole deal from the beginning. Jeremiah, you know, from chapter 1, verse 1, more or less. And he's, he's now reading this out. Now, I, I find this interesting because people hear it for the first time. Now, I find that strange yet frustrating. So here we have Baruch retelling the words of Jeremiah and the people are hearing it for the first time even though they've already heard it. So this is, this is a really interesting thing. Now, a part of the context is that he's giving this word when a, the king has proclaimed a fast in Jerusalem. Why would a national leader proclaim a fast? Well, chances are he wanted to do something spiritual. We, we have had, in our time, Australian prime ministers call... Australia to a day of prayer. I, I don't know that I've heard an Australian Prime Minister call the nation to fast and pray, but I've definitely heard of Prime Ministers calling the nation to pray. But here we have the king proclaiming a fast. This is a spiritual activity. And why is he doing it? Because Jerusalem's in a bad place. They're being surrounded by Babylon. Their city's about to be overrun. This is a bad time. So the king has proclaimed a fast. It's a religious thing that he's doing. Now, here's, here's the point. They were doing something religious to move God, to, to make God do something they wanted. Yet, they hadn't done what God wanted. They wanted God to do what they wanted, but they hadn't been doing what God wanted. So, religious ceremonies without religious devotion to the word, the word of God, are useless. And there are people who think that if I do the religious thing, I'm now okay with God. God, God is looking for people just to be religious on a Sunday. Jeremiah is pleading with the people, don't treat God like that. 
Let's have a look at this first verse here, chapter 36, verse 9. These will be on the screen if you want to follow. In the fifth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, in the ninth month, all the people of Jerusalem and all the people who came from the cities of Judah to Jerusalem proclaimed a fast before the Lord. Then in the hearing of all the people, Baruch read the words of Jeremiah from the scroll in the house of the Lord, in the chamber of Gemara, the son of Shaphan, the secretary, which was in the upper court at the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. It's pretty detailed as, you know, what was happening and where this was happening. We're actually going back in time a bit now, where this is a retelling of something that happened. So we've kind of gone from chapter 1 up to 35 now we're, we're recollecting something that happened a little while ago. And so Jeremiah had been prophesying for some 20 or so years and had largely been rejected. You, you recall, he was actually now banned from coming into the temple precinct. He wasn't even allowed to come into the temple. Why? Because his preaching was so cutting. It cut people to the heart. It makes me wonder, if Jeremiah was alive today, what would it sound like? What would be the issues he would raise? What would be the things that Jeremiah would be used by God to address and would we ban him from church? Interesting question. I hope not. And, and I, I kind of want to come to this in a moment. But here's Baruch. Baruch has received the dictation. He's, he's written it down. He's a scribe. He's someone whose job from the youngest of age is to handle a stylus, to, to know how to write neatly, to use a pen. And so Baruch was responsible to share God's word with others. There's a powerful picture going on here. Jeremiah, a kind of a, a picture of God, and Baruch, a picture of us, God's people. We too bear a responsibility to share God's word with others. It's not our word. This was not Baruch's word. And Baruch was responsible to share God's word with others. Now, I want you to hear what I'm not saying. Not only what am I saying, what am I not saying? At no point did Jeremiah say to Baruch, now when you read this, read it out in a way that will persuade the people to accept it and repent. It's your responsibility, Baruch, to make sure they not only hear it, they receive it and they heed it. That wasn't his responsibility. His responsibility was to deliver it. That was his responsibility. I think that's the role of a witness. You know, Christ calls us to be witnesses. And the witness in a court of law is not to persuade the jury one way or the other, is it? I mean, it's not, the, 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 the witness is not the defense attorney or the prosecution attorney. The witness is simply the witness. And what does the witness do? Just simply tells people what they've seen, heard and experienced. That's the role of a witness. We have a prosecuting attorney. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit? Excuse me. He's the Holy Spirit. And he is the one who takes the word of God and reveals it to people. The Holy Spirit can just take the word and just hone it right into one person in the midst of everyone else rejecting it. Jeremiah's been preaching for you know, 15, 20 years or so and people have largely rejected him. Then out comes into the wilderness, this guy Baruch says, no, I get it, I agree with you. Oh, I've got one Facebook follower. Oh, awesome. <laughs> I've got one like on my Facebook page. So you understand Jeremiah, is, he wants people to repent. He wants people to heed it. He wants people to get it. But he, he's beginning to understand, I can only do what I can do. And, and I hope that we get that too. 
Um, the, someone has said the problem with the modern church today is that there are too many silent witnesses. We, we, we don't want to be reduced to a silent witness. We want to be people who carry that responsibility. Now, here's, here's Baruch. He shares the word because he, he got it. He, there's something happened in his heart where, where he got it. And Baruch shares it. And we see in that clip there were two guys who, who also got it. And what, what happens is these, these guys, they hear it and, and you... you it's a wonderfully directed little bit of acting there where most of the people in that room, which we just read, the particular room, they reject it. They're, they're angry. They're hostile. They don't like this one little bit. And yet there were these couple of guys, two, three guys, who go, wow, why haven't we heard this before? Why are we only hearing this now? And they get it. Now, why do they get it? Because their heart was open. Their heart was open. And this is where I distinguish between someone who's a doubter and someone who's a skeptic. The doubter says, I don't know if you're right or wrong. I don't know. But give me the evidence and I'll see. The cynic says, I'm not going to listen to a thing you have to say. I reject you even before you've presented your case. And this is where sometimes people use this expression, who's to say the Bible is really God's word? What a stupid thing to say. Who's to, who's to say? Who are you to say? Well, the answer to that is that who's to say that the Bible is God's word? The one who has the best reasons to say so. That's who can say. It's not like we can't know this. We can. The, the question is not whether there's evidence. The question is, are you open to the evidence? And, and, and are we open to what God wants to say in our heart? There were some people who were open to the word of God. We read in scripture that the Bible itself says some people harden their hearts to the word of God. Are you open? Now you might think I'm talking to people who aren't Christians. No, I'm talking to you. (laughs) I'm trying to pastor you here. Are you open to the word of God? Do you get this? Next verse, we read, When Micaiah, the son of Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, heard all the words of the Lord from the scroll, verse 12, He went down to the king's house into the secretary's chamber and all the officials were sitting there. Elishema, the secretary, Deliah, the son of Shemaiah, Elnathan, the son of Akbor, Gemariah, the son of Shaphan, Zedekiah, the son of Hananiah and all the officials. Verse 13, and Micaiah told them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read the scroll in the hearing of the people. Then all the officials sent Jehudi, the son of Nethaniah, son of Shemel. Why can't they have names like Bob, <laughs> Bill? Anyway, <clears throat> son of Cushi, to say to Baruch, take in your hand the scroll that you read in the hearing of the people and come. So Baruch, the son of Neriah, took the scroll in his hand and came to them. Verse 15, and they said to him, sit down and read it. So Baruch read it to them. So this is now the second reading of the words that Jeremiah's dictated to him. And when they heard all the words, they turned to one another in fear. Now, can I point out when the Holy Spirit takes the word of God, oftentimes this is the response. Now, you might think that sounds a little bit like condemnation. No, it's not meant to sound like condemnation. But Jesus said, Jesus said some really strange and powerful things that caused people to go 
What? I mean, we, we, we had Tom read from John chapter 6. You read on in John chapter 6. Jesus says, you follow me, it's all of me, and you follow me with everything you've got. And, peop- and that's, I'm summarizing. And people went, what? This guy's mad. And it says in John chapter 6 that thousands from that day, thousands stopped following Jesus. They were afraid of what he was now saying. We read in Nehemiah and Ezra, Ezra and Ezra, we read in Ezra, where, where it says, Ezra opened up the word and the people had not heard the word of God for decades. And he opened it up and in a public setting, he began to read it. And it's, if you read Ezra, it says this, and it began to rain. Now, what would you expect to happen if you've got outdoor church? And it begins to rain. Mind you, we're sitting on seats. This is a fairly recent phenomena in the history of civilization. Because people back then did not sit on seats. They sat on the ground or they stood. And, the, and it says in Ezra that when Ezra the priest took the scroll and stood on the podium they constructed to read it, everyone else stood and it began to rain. And he read from the scroll for a long time. And it says this, the people listened in fear. It's a strange expression because you think God's word comforts. It does. But it exposes things first. It's very difficult for you to be healed surgically of cancer unless the doctor tells you you've got cancer and we've got to operate. That's not pleasant news. But you've got to hear it. And I don't know of a person who's heard those horrible words and hasn't feared. It's a horrible thing. But you know what? That news from your doctor is the first step to healing. Because it's as a result of that correct diagnosis that healing can begin. When they heard all these words, they turned to one another in fear. And they said to Baruch, we must report all these words to the king. And they asked Baruch, tell us please, how did you write all these words? Was it at his dictation? I know it's come from Jeremiah. Baruch answered them, he dictated all these words to me while I wrote them with ink on the scroll. Then the officials said to Baruch, go and hide. You and Jeremiah and let no one know where you are. That's an interesting response, isn't it? I mean, imagine if I've preached this morning and, and a whole bunch of you come up to me like this. Andrew, I suggest you go and hide. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm a curious bod. I'm going to go, why is that? In this instance, they didn't have to. This was revolutionary stuff. And the word of God has had this effect in many cultures down through the 20th century as well. Russia, Stalinist Russia sought to burn copies of the Bible. Adolf Hitler, under the influence of philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche, he sought to destroy the Bible as well. In fact, they did. They, 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 they eradicated it from Germany and wrote a Nazi Bible. A bizarre, bizarre time. You can read about that in Eric Metaxas's book on Bonhoeffer. So here we have Baruch, 
I wonder if he knew what he was getting himself into. We saw in the clip, again, beautifully directed, where Jeremiah says, you'll pay a price. This won't be easy. This will be difficult. And Baruch says, I'm in. I'm in. You know, I reckon that's where Christianity begins as well. If you here become a Christian and join the in crowd and everyone will clap you and cheer you and you'll be so hip and cool, you probably, you probably want to take that Christianity back to the shop. Just get your money back and we'll, we'll try and show you the real deal. But you may not want it. Because the real deal is Jesus saying to you, you follow me, this will cost you. You follow me, this could be difficult. You follow me, you may not be popular. And then Jesus says, who's in? As I reflect on this statement from these officials, I think, you know, God's got an investment in his word. What if the devil had taken Baruch and Jeremiah out at this point? Would have been a major setback. (laughs) But God's got an investment. I was reading in my readings earlier last week in Isaiah 55 where God says, I watch over my word. I watch over my word. I watch over my word to perform it. It shall not return to me void. God's got an investment in his word. God's got an investment in the proclamation of his word and the reception of his word. We read in Acts 13 that Paul was preaching to a hostile crowd. A hostile crowd. (laughs) And it says, as he looked, he saw one man. He saw one man who received it. Wow. (laughs) Amazing. God watches over his word. And then it says in Acts, what is it? Acts 13, verse 44, 48, somewhere in there. It says this. And to as many as were called by God to receive the word did. Isn't that amazing? It's incredible. And and this is what I've discovered. If someone puts their hand up and says, yeah, I'm in, Andrew. I, I want to become a Christian. Can I tell you that the work of the Holy Spirit didn't begin that moment? It probably began, I don't know when. It could have begun in the the work that is, when I say it, it, the work of the Holy Spirit, could have begun back in their childhood. And this is why I'm very, I I try to be, don't always get it right, but I try to be very careful with people who are ridiculing Christianity. Because the moment someone starts to fight against God, I'm thinking, hello, God's got their attention. Why would they be fighting against God? I mean, you don't see people who've got a lot of money write books about why there are no unicorns. Why do people feel the urge to write books, there is no God? Why do people feel the urge to take out the sides of buses with adverts that saying there is no unicorns? And? But people feel the urge to take out, literally, take out ads, sides of buses. There is no God. You know, in fact, Richard Dawkins took out an ad that said this, there, there is probably no God, so stop worrying about it. Can I just point out, if there is no God, <laughs> if there is no God, that is a cause for great worry. That's a cause for great worry. If there is no God, we should all worry. But there is a God, and the fact that these guys have him in the middle of their crosshairs tells me he's got their attention. Something's going on there. So just remember that the next time you feel like ridiculing or being offensive or ugly to somebody who's on a journey, because you may see them in church 
next to you worshipping God. People are on a journey. Serving God requires being wise. Now, when Baruch and Jeremiah are serving God, they could have said, well, we don't need to fear any man. They can't harm us. But that would be foolish because they could. (laughs) They could harm them. So they were wise. What was the wise advice that Baruch got? You, You just want to quietly leave Jerusalem and you and Jeremiah go and hide. That's wisdom. You know, I hear Christians share the the good news of Jesus Christ in sometimes what is a very unwise way. Very unwise. And here we have God, what I think is God encouraging wisdom in how we share his word. Should you go and put gospel tracts on the desk of every office worker in your office building with your name and on the back and and you know the track says if you don't repent you will perish in hell that's your track that's it that's all the words no name sign can i just say that's probably not the wisest way to go why are you looking at me like you've just done no i hope no, i hope you haven't but really i said before about being a silent witness a silent i, I don't i don't mean you, you should always be soapboxing but when asked first peter Chapter 3, verse 15, when asked, be ready to give an answer. That's what I mean by being a witness. So it requires wisdom. Now, here they were told, go and hide yourself. Why? Because this is about preservation. What, what's the modern application to this? Well, for, for me, a preacher, the modern application is don't be physically lazy and drift toward obesity because you won't see the race out if you become fat. Now, if I feel like, if it feels like I'm doing this, trust me, there's three, I'm, I'm preaching to myself right now. I have put on so much weight being a preacher. It's awesome. It's been good fun, you know, lots of eating and coffee and stuff like that. But I actually have to take measures, and Kim goes, hardly enough. <laughs> And it's, it's about looking after yourself. It's about diet. It's about exercise. It is about that. So serving God requires being wise about how you look after yourself. If you're battling with depression and you, you, you're feeding that depression with alcohol, which is a depressant, that's not wise. Just not wise. Love you. We, we are, here's Baruch, he, he was charged to know God's word and to make it known. And, and I want to just draw this to, a, to an application for us today. I think we are too. We, we, we are to know God's word and make it known. And, and I'm very mindful that we live in an age when people don't read. We are not generally a bookish culture. And as Christians, we have to be. Now, here's the other thing, too. When Baruch shared God's word with these people, did he do it in a bony finger pointing soapboxy sort of way? It doesn't sound like it. He shared the word of God with compassion. He shared the word with compassion. And I think we need to be wise and compassionate as well. And we see that many of the officials there, they got it. Their hearts were open. And here's, here's the thing about God's word. You could read this with a closed heart, which means you probably wouldn't read it. But if you did, 
You could read it with a closed heart. But to read it with an open heart is to read it, God, speak to me. Help me to understand what you're saying. Now, here's the question as I bring this to a close. Why, why did God ordain that Baruch write it down and that there be a written record of his word? And by the way, we have this record now two and a half thousand years later. Why has God ordained that his word, his... Now, I, know, I should have checked mine before. No, it does. My, my Bible on the spine here, I don't know if yours does. You're going to struggle to do this if you have an iPad. But mine on the spine says, Holy Bible. That's a really powerful term. So I'm actually going to use this term now to ask this next question. Why has God given us his holy word? Now, here's the simple answer. It's in here, the word of God, that we have the ability to know God and to enjoy God. Now, if you don't like God and you don't really know him, God will appear at times to you to be a monster. But if you know God and you enjoy God, he will be the most delightfully satisfying person you will ever get to know. Now, why has God given us his word to know and enjoy him. And that process of knowing God and enjoying God, this is the process to make us holy. And if you hear holy means boring, doesn't have any fun, never goes out, only ever reads the Bible and wears headscarves, then you don't get the word holy. Holy means not ordinary, not like everyone else. So what is God calling us to do he's calling us to be holy which means not like everyone else don't go with the crowd be someone who's prepared to be like jeremiah and baruch someone who's prepared to say god is the one i fear most god is the one not fear in the sense of he's going to hit me but but fear in the one fear in the real sense of the word deep respect he's my audience i have an audience of one from which on the stage of life I play to him. He's my audience. And his, his mission is to make you holy. So that means your language will be changing as you come to know Christ. Your thought life will be changing as you come to know Christ. Your intellectual diet will be changing as you come to know Christ more richly, more sweetly. You'll change. That's that word holy. This is what God's doing. We're going to pick this up next time and see how the king responded to this word that was presented to him. And this is going to open up a whole other realm of how do we take God's word to those who are in positions of power. But right now, are you allowing God's word to change your heart, mind and soul? That's my question. And I hope that you've seen something in the relationship between Jeremiah and Baruch and their service to God to inspire you to do so. Is your heart open to actually hear God through his word, even if it causes us discomfort at times? More from Dr. Corbett next week, his topic, Tearing Through the Scriptures. Podcasts and Finding Truth Matters resources, including tonight's program, Dictation Causes Excoriation, are available via the website, findingtruthmatters.org, or by contacting us at Lagana Media, PO Box 1143, Lagana, Tasmania, 7277. For regular updates and special offers, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com slash findingtruthmatters. 
Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.